0: In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Cindy Lin about how companies can support returning employees who've experienced a serious illness or chronic diagnosis. Cindy Lin, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you very much for having me, John.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation around how companies can better support returning employees who've experienced a serious illness or chronic diagnosis. I think that is something that a lot of individuals are dealing with, a lot of organizations are dealing with, with their are people uh, on their teams. And so I think this will be a fascinating conversation. You're joining us from the Twin Cities area. I am South of Salt Lake City in Utah, and this will be a fun dialogue. As we get started, I wanted to share Cindy's bio with everybody. With 25 plus years of nursing experience and successfully navigating numerous health challenges of her own, Cindy Lynn has become an expert at helping women transcend their diagnosis and reclaim powerful, beautiful lives. In addition to integrative coaching, she uses a variety of body work, including yoga, Pilates, and Reiki to move clients beyond the limitations of diagnosis and back to a full life. Believing that even in the face of chronic illness, we can choose to experience joy and genuine purpose, Cindy Lynn brings out the forgotten potential in each of her clients. Her unique framework focuses on deep healing and rediscovering the other aspects of life and health that are so often lost when a diagnosis takes over. Cindy Lynn loves to speak about healing beyond the cure and living your best life after a diagnosis your diagnosis does not have to be your destiny. She splits her time between lakes in Minnesota and Wisconsin with her husband, Andy, and Dotson and Rescues, Liesl and Lily. It is a pleasure to be with you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in further?
1: Um, no, you got the, the long version of the bio there. So usually people pick and, uh, pick and choose. So yes, thank you. That's me in a, in a large nutshell.
0: No, wonderful, wonderful. And let's let's dive right on in. And to the extent you're comfortable sharing at the beginning of your bio, uh, you you talk about numerous health challenges of your own. Um, If you wouldn't mind sharing, even at the high level, a little bit of what you faced and how that has um, been dealt with in your own life and how that's informed your approach to coaching uh, moving forward in your career.
1: So I've been faced with a number of health challenges. The one that was probably the trickiest to manage within a corporate setting was that I had very intense PCOS with very uncontrolled um, side effects, uh, bleeding, just massive impact on my life. And so here I was um, working at a, a large medical device company attending meetings and perpetually carrying something with me and leaving meetings about every 20 minutes to a half an hour sometimes in order to just manage what I needed to manage. And it it had a super huge impact on how I was perceived and how my abilities were perceived in that role.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And so you're dealing with those perceptions, perhaps the stigma involved. Um, uh, perceived limitations, like all of those sorts of things. And, and so you're trying to deal with the health aspects as well as navigate th- this new dynamic in your team with your colleagues. And that's, of course, super challenging. Um, I can't even imagine <laughs> what that would be like. Um, so what are some of the lessons you've learned uh, from, your, from your days dealing with those types of issues uh, and how does that influence the way you approach your work with your clients?
1: Sure. So there's a couple of big takeaways. One of them was in order to be effective in my role, given my situation, and and heaven knows I wished it was a different situation, but we can only deal with what we have right now. Um, I found it was very important to communicate well, to pick and choose what I communicated and with whom, so that I could draw the support to me that I needed. and. Still maintain a sense of professionalism, so that communication piece and the discernment of who to tell what was a really big lesson, and it's one of the the first things that I share with clients and even potential clients.
0: Yeah, and anytime we're dealing with any sort of chronic illness or diagnosis, you know, I I, I figure I've never had any serious health health, health issues at all, um, and so I can only try to to relate. Um, But that's it's almost impossible. I I can't even imagine. And so any diagnosis, I imagine, you know, would be life-changing, and um, and and you have to grapple with all the different impacts it's going to have on your life. But it, it does seem to me like a chronic illness diagnosis would be a little bit different. Then, you know, some other health diagnosis that you can go, you can get treated, there's hope of recovery, and now you're kind of past it, or at least there's a sense that maybe you Mm -hmm. can get past it with with a chronic illness, though, you know, this is going to be your life, this is going to be something you're going to have to deal with for forever. And I can imagine that that's got to be frustrating, demoralizing, deflating, whatever, (laughs) I I imagine that how hard that would be in terms of your mental health, in addition to your physical health. Uh, Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: So my situation ran its course. And what I found was, even when I had gotten treatment, even after I recovered from surgery, and all of this, the perception of who I was, at that time followed me, So even though I was now sitting through three hour meetings with the best of them, not having to haul a big purse with me, wherever I went, there was still a perception of, Oh, you'll never know uh, when Cindy's going to step out. You don't, you don't know how that's going to work. And the same is true for people who go through cancer, for people who have autoimmune diseases. Some of the things that are less visible, And with all chronic illness, we have good days and bad days and good weeks and bad weeks. And I think it's important for employers to know that and know the fact that the the employee feels that very intensely as well. In the same way that an employer may be saying, you know, okay, things are going pretty good and there hasn't been any absences for a couple of months. We never know what's going to happen. The employee is going through the same thing. You know, I feel good. I'm returning to my duties. Everything's going just fine. But what if the carpet gets pulled out from underneath me? So that becomes very much a part of a person's identity. And in, tr- in attempting to resolve that and attempting to work through that, because the fact of the matter, it is whether or not you have a chronic illness, you could get sick on any given day. You can get a car car trouble and not show up at work. You can have all kinds of circumstances that make employees, you know, unpredictable occasionally. And that's usually just accepted because it's part of life. But when you've had a chronic illness, there's a little bit bigger of a shadow that follows that. So I work with clients very much on their identity. Um, because the other facet of managing a chronic illness, even managing an acute illness that resolves, is that there's a strong desire to go back to who you were before you were sick, and yet managing a chronic diagnosis changes you as a person. You are not that same person, and your old life isn't going to fit. You know, many of us learn and grow, whether it's compassion or patience or... Any kinds of those things that, that change who we are as a person isn't going to make our old life fit anymore. And that's good. That's, that's wonderful. And the same is true for our role in a company or our role in a corporation is, is that that's going to change and grow and evolve as well. And so I would encourage employers to, to identify or to look at the growth of this person. And... and take that to heart and support that in the employee and then both the employee and the employer feel like they're on the same page working together in this new space
0: and you mentioned rightfully so i mean we all live messy lives and so whether we have a health issue chronic illness issue or not you know, Maybe it's I have my kids and one of my kids is sick and I have to stay home with them today or my car won't start. I actually just just before our meeting today, I got a, a text from my wife. She was worried that uh, someone had stolen our car. And it turns out nobody had stolen our car, but our daughter, who has her own car, it wouldn't start. And so then she took our car so she could get to where she needed to go and didn't tell anybody. And so like, it's, it's a silly thing, right? And ultimately it worked itself out super fast, but those types of things happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, your day's kind of thrown for a loop and, and you might have to, to uh, you know, get things taken care of just so you can function properly. And so whether we're talking about illness or not, Um, people have life lives outside of work and they're messy and things just happen. Um, And so we, we look for ways to accommodate those things uh, when other aspects of life occur. Um, At least a good employer will, a good boss will try to be understanding, try to be accommodating. Um, And I don't know what it is about something like a major diagnosis, a chronic diagnosis um, that, that is different we so many i even think so many organizations allow for things like unlimited pto now that's a that's a fairly common perk nowadays so if you have people you know if you give people the opportunity to take sick days or have unlimited pto or whatever you know should it matter? Um, if they need to take a, a, a mental health day, a physical health day, they, they just don't feel like working that day, but they're going to get their work done the, the next day. Does that really matter? And these are the types of conversations we need to be having within our organizations as leaders so that we can do what makes sense and not just perpetuate kind of the same old patterns that we've always done just because we've always done them and inadvertently you know, negatively impact people who might be struggling in some sort of way, like, like a chronic illness
1: that's a big piece of it. Although I have to say, as you know, coming also from a management background, you're very constrained in what you can ask. So one of the things I focus on with my clients, because it is the, the patient, the client that comes to me, is how do we communicate effectively? How do I get, give enough information for the people around me to feel comfortable with the situation and still maintain my privacy? So as an employer, I may not be able to ask you, you know, officially what your treatment plan is. As the employee, it would probably be a good idea to approach your manager and say, I anticipate that once a month for two days, I'm going to be out of commission. I've communicated very closely with John, who works with me. And he'll be my point person at those times. He'll have my schedule and he'll be able to get a hold of me. So we'll have the basis covered, but it's going to be about two days a month that this is going to happen. You don't have to give a lot of detail necessarily. I don't have to say what kind of treatments I'm having, but I set the expectation that one, I'll be away, but two, I've already thought about it because face it if i'm not if i'm not feeling well i don't want to come back to the office to a mess you know i want that that smooth flow as well so communication is such a big piece privacy is such a strong feeling and getting those two to to mesh and really work well is is one of my top priorities especially with my with my professionals
0: yeah that's a very good point because there are so many protections for employees around um, uh, any sort of health-related issues and people have to self-report <laughs> uh, out. And you have to be super careful. All that's very sensitive information, sensitive data. You have to be very, very careful with all that. Um, I know for me, I, you know, as a, a leader of teams, <clears throat> excuse me, that I would hope that my people would trust me enough to share enough for me to be accommodating. Um, so that I can, you know, proactively help them, you know, have that balance that they need so that they can be healthy, that they can live their best lives and, and still be able to contribute. Um, and like you said, I don't need to know all the details. I just need to know enough to know how I can support them. Right. And, and I, but, but the onus is on me there to make sure that I have a relationship of trust with my people exactly. so that they know they can, can confide. And that it's not going to somehow negatively impact them. It's going to come back to bite them. They're going to get passed over for a promotion or, you know, whatever. Right.
1: And that, that makes all the difference. I mean, the relationship and the communication starts before anybody gets sick. You know, it starts before, and this, you know, these principles apply to, for people who say are going through a difficult time with the divorce or, or a time, you know, moving house or any of these kinds of things where if you have a comfortable relationship, um, you can share that information, right sized. And you also, it's also very important to bring forward a plan, not just a problem. So as the employee, I don't want to come forward and say, well, John, I'm going to be gone two days a week. I'll see you when I get back. Technically, I could. Technically, I suppose I wouldn't even have to tell you that, but you want this ongoing relationship. The whole assumption here is not a a punitive controlling relationship. It's the ability to facilitate an ongoing working relationship where you can feel confident in your abilities as as well as your employer feeling confident in your abilities as well. So establishing that that good communication beforehand absolutely makes everything easier.
0: Other thoughts on what you know, recognizing that confidentiality and self-reporting, all this comes into play as we've been discussing. Other thoughts on specifically what companies can do to better support their employees who are with them right now, or say someone needs to take a leave of absence because of a health issue or a chronic health issue, um, so that they can feel, integrated back in as they return? What are some of those practical things I as a leader can and should be doing to set the stage for that to
1: happen? Right. So as a a manager of people or as a supervisor of people, I may not be able to ask you what's wrong, but I can certainly ask you, how can I support you? Is there anything going on in your life that requires more support? Is there anything going on that you would anticipate you need some more flexibility? I would like to work with you on that. And also, I, I will keep confidential anything you wish to share with me. So by extending that olive branch, because I think employees are aware too of, okay, somebody can, can somebody say this? Can somebody not say this? How much do I share? There's all of those very important laws that have developed for a reason around it. But it can can be kind of paralyzing if someone doesn't extend that olive branch first.
0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy, courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill Yeah, so again, making it safe, making sure people recognize what, you know, like they have the opportunity to be able to share in a way that is comfortable with them. That's going to be super important. And so that's something I can definitely do proactively as a boss to make sure that someone, um, you know, at least that I'm in a position to support them the way that they need to be supported, the way they want to be supported as well. Because that's the other piece of this, you know, some people are willing to accept more support than others. Um, and I, I imagine you work with people on that as well. Um, any, any thoughts on, the, on that end? You know, if, if I'm, let's say I'm in a, a, a boss, I know I have someone who's struggling, they're not really confiding in me, they're not telling me I don't really know how to help them. I'm frustrated by that, because I want to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what kind of things would you say to the employee on the employee side, or, and what kind of things might you say to the, the leader? on the employer side in that kind of a situation?
1: So I always encourage my folks to be very specific in their ask. Because when you are specific in your ask, you can feel comfortable that people will be able to help you or say they can't help you. So if I need a ride to a doctor's appointment and I say to you, John, do you think it would be possible for you to take me on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock The office is right downtown. I expect it'll take us about an hour there. You have all the specific information you need. You can look at your calendar or know your calendar and you can say, that'd be a great day. I can help you with that. Or I'm sorry, I'm already busy. Those very direct requests for help make it very easy and take all of the, I wonder what they're thinking, or maybe I shouldn't ask all of that noise away from there. So The same way from the employer standpoint, you can say, how can I support you? But again, being more specific, you know, it's my understanding that you're having some challenges. Would more flexibility in your daily hours help you? You know, I have, I can, at my level, I can offer you uh, half time working from home, if that's helpful. You know, those, those kinds of things so that you can put something out there. You aren't asking specific questions about the illness. And, and maybe the person does have the energy to come up and, and get up and come to work every day, which takes a lot of energy, you know, to get yourself up and ready and move yourself to a different place of work. I think after, after all of the lockdowns, people are realizing how much energy that actually takes. And if you have a chronic illness, that can be challenging. So full days every other day may, may work better. But offering, you know, is there any kind of flexibility in time that would be helpful for you? Is there, or, or being very direct, this project has come up. Is this something you're interested in now? Or should I earmark you for the next project? If you turn this project down, it won't negatively affect your performance appraisals.
0: Great specific examples of the types of things that we can do and say in those situations. These are great insights, great tips, Cindy. It has just been a pleasure. I know at the time, I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. Before we wrap up the conversation for today, I just want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Sure. So um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, the best place to find me is cindylynn.com. There is a free ebook communication guide there that covers the topics we did, as well as as many more, including your, you know, how to talk to family and friends and and bigger support circles. So I encourage you to take a look at that, reach out if you have any questions. And I guess my closing message would be that we, you know, it's been said, what doesn't, what doesn't kill us, makes us stronger. And to have an employee who has conquered, who has moved beyond a diagnosis or an illness is having somebody pretty special and worth appreciating.
0: I love it. Thank you, Cindy. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Cindy can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week.